You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The fact that Jesus Christ, that this, that this, that this God that existed in eternity, He didn't need anything. He didn't need anything. He, he, he was in such a good position. He was in such a lofty position. Um, I mean... He was in such a powerful position, and yet God said, he, he, he looked down upon man. He saw others. He looked on others and said, you know what? I'm not just going to enjoy my privilege. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to... I'm, see, and, and we talked about this last week, but when we get into these verses, the Bible talks about how he was in the form of God, and that literally means that he was God, that, that, that his very essence was God, but then it also says that he took on the form of a servant, and so he literally, just as he was literally God, he literally took on the form of a servant. So he, he wasn't... He here acting like God and or here acting like a servant he was he is God he was God he is God uh, and he is a, he, he came as a servant now he's a king he's no longer a servant uh, but he still has that body uh, so if he was willing to do all that the point is let this mind be in you quit your quarrel right uh, when it comes to these, 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 these sins of pride, we've talked a lot about pride over the last month or so. Uh, you know, this, the, your anxiety, your worry, your, your unwillingness to trust God. Uh, and now, listen, your unwillingness to trust God through the difficult times, through trials, through persecutions. Now, that's easy to get up here and say when, uh, you know, you, you could look at me and say that's easy for you to say because you may not be facing the things I'm facing. And that's true. But what I'm just telling you is what God's word says, because the cool thing about this is going to close out tonight, perhaps. But when it talks about Jesus Christ being exalted, guess what? Your time's coming too. see, you're not just suffering and just have to trust God's wisdom and, and it's just going to go on like that. Let me tell you something. Your graduation day is coming. Your elevation day is coming. You will be exalted in due time. You will get to a point to where just like Jesus... Now, I understand when I say just like Jesus Christ, uh, but just like Jesus Christ was exalted and we see the purpose for His pain... I'm telling you, you are going to be in an exalted place one day and you will clearly see the purpose for your pain. And it will make sense because if you lose track of that, it can get pretty discouraging. It can get pretty discouraging if you're just stuck in this life, if you're just bearing this heavy, miserable cross and, you know, you're just, oh, well, just bear it, just carry it, just carry it. Listen, don't forget what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus, he, the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him endured. Don't forget it. Listen, there's some joy ahead of you. I promise you, there's joy ahead of you. Just as sure as you're sitting here tonight, there's joy ahead. There's, ex there's exaltation ahead. Now, it may not be till the Lord comes. Uh, and you say, well, that's little consolation. It shouldn't be little consolation. It should be great consolation. Because that day's coming soon, and I'm telling you, the pain and the suffering, listen, it's going to, what Paul said about his is that it's going to be, it's going to be transferred into a greater weight of glory. 
In other words, the suffering that you do for Christ. You say, I'm not suffering for Christ. I'm just sick or I'm just I'm just being persecuted or I'm just whatever else. No, listen, he, if, if he's allowing that in your life, just the same way, whatever it is that you do in your life is what God, your service is to be to God and what your ministry is to be to God. It's the same way with the suffering that you have, the same way with the same thing with the pain that you feel. God is working a ministry through you. And to you. And ultimately, as we'll see here in just a moment, it's to bring glory to God. And I'm telling you, everything that we face as God's children, there's uh, many of us that are, that, are, that are reaching the end of the book of Job right now that are going through the Bible chronologically. And what you find out there is that everything that God does is ultimately for our good and for His glory. Now, a, a, a child having to take medicine doesn't think that's for their good in the moment. A child that's experiencing discipline does not feel that that's for their good at the moment. A child, when they're told no, does not feel like that's uh, in their best interest at the moment. But let me tell you something. We know a lot better than the children, don't we? As parents and as adults. Uh, and let me tell you something. God knows infinitely more than we do. I heard something just the other day, and I thought this was, I think it was yesterday, just a good illustration about uh, this grandfather that was playing hide-and-seek with his little toddler grandson. And he said they went out in the backyard, and they just had three fairly small trees back there. It wasn't like your ideal hide-and-seek yard. Uh, but, the, the, you know, the, the toddler, or a little bit older or whatever, goes to play hide-and-seek. And, and, of course, the grandfather said, well, I'm sure he's going to go behind one of those trees. But the little child didn't even think to go behind one of the trees. He just went and stood right beside one of the trees and did like this. <laughs> he was hiding. And, uh, and so, as far as he was concerned, Grandpa wasn't there. As far as Grandpa uh, was concerned, since he couldn't see Grandpa, he didn't think Grandpa could see him. Since he couldn't see Grandpa, he didn't think that Grandpa was in eye, eye line of him. And I, but, but, of course, we understand that he was. And, of course, the grandfather went along with him. We're like, wow, there, where were you at? But see, sometimes we're like that with God. We think just because we can't see God, God's not there. That's right. Folks, I'm telling you, spiritually speaking sometimes, listen, we're like on toddler level. I can't see Him. He must not be here anywhere. Where is He? I can't see Him. You don't need to see Him. He said He's there. He's there. I promise you, He's there. You will not be. I will not be the first person that God decides that He's going to forsake. You're not going to be, I'm not going to be the first person ever in the history of history that God says, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to let you go through this just for the heck of it. You're not that person. Amen? God is and so uh, so with with some of that in mind, let's try to get into these verses and and we'll get where we can get here over the next uh, few moments. The Bible says here, chapter two, verse one of Philippians: If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, uh, and basically that's. Uh, saying that there is. But he says this, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, quickly I'll just say this about these verses. Here was his prayers for these people that were quarreling. These people in the fellowship that were quarreling, this is not a prayer of them saying, of him saying, I want you all just to agree to disagree. How many of you know there is some wisdom in agreeing to disagree sometimes, right? There really is. But that's not his prayer. 
He's saying, I, I, I don't want you just to say, okay, we're going to quit quarreling, but we're still not going to really speak and we're still not going to be. He's like, no, I want you to be of the same mind. I want you to have the same love. I want you to be bound together the same purpose. Preacher, I can't do that. I, I, there's no way I can get along with that person. There's no way that I can forgive that person. There's no way that this person that has accused me of all this wrong, and they're the ones in the wrong, there's no way that I can get around them and be nice and loving and caring and humble myself in that way. But you know what He says? Jesus did it. Jesus did it, so why can't you? Now, I'll tell you why we can't do it. We can't do it because of our human nature and our flesh. But we can do it because of the power of Christ that rests within us and the Holy Ghost of God that rests within us. So it's not in, in ourselves to do it. It's what the Bible says in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so the, the, the working that He does, the life which I now live in the flesh, is by the faith, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And so it's Christ in us. That's how it happens. And so that's his prayer for these people. He continues to say, let nothing be done through strife. That's the idea of pulling somebody else or tearing somebody else down. Or vainglory. This is lifting yourself up. Uh, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And, and that does not mean to be a religious doormat, so to speak. It, it carries the idea of uh, of seeing others more important and the importance of others. Now, you've heard the acronym J-O-Y, joy, Jesus first, uh, O, other second, Y, yourself, last. You know, and a lot of us have like Yoj or Yojo or whatever, and it just don't sound right. Uh, but joy is Jesus first, other second, yourself last. And that's literally what's been said here in the book of Philippians. Chapter 1 of Philippians, he's saying Jesus, Jesus first. Now chapter 2, he's saying, okay, now others second, others next. Jesus first, others next. Uh, so then he goes on to say, verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And man, you'll see that word others a lot here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So here's Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus, his, his, his name from the promised one to his humiliation, the one who is God, who became man. So when it's Christ Jesus, it reminds us about God becoming man. When he's Jesus Christ, it reminds us of him being human and then, uh, then of his resurrection. Uh, and so that's why sometimes you'll read Christ Jesus and other times you'll read Jesus Christ. We talked about that all last week, so I'll not go into that. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So 
I want to just try to give you a few things about the manifestation of a Christ-like mind. He says, let this mind be in you. This is the mind you need to have in you in order to to, to really have the joy and, and to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. And if we have this Christ-like mind, if we have the manifestation of a Christ-like mind, here's some benchmarks you can look for. Here's some things you and I, the tangible things that we can look, look at our own lives and say, okay, do these exist in my life? And if they do not exist in our lives, then it can help us to identify to say, you know what, Lord, help me to humble myself. And let this mind be in me to allow the work of God's uh, of, of the truth of God to reside in my heart. I've been thinking some over the last couple of days as well about the, the sower that went out to sow. I pray that there'll be good soil here tonight. When, when the sower went out to sow in the parable of the sower that's in the Gospels, uh, was there anything wrong with the seed that the sower was sowing? Well, let me ask you something then. If there was nothing wrong with the, the seed that the sower was sowing, why did some of it not spring up? If it's good seed. Now, we do know it's good seed. You're right about that. You know why? Because see, Jesus said the seed is... Anyone? The Word of God. Je- Jesus said the seed's the Word of God. So we know the seed's good. What's wrong though? What, what, why, does all, why do all those seeds not spring up? The recipients, the soil. So my prayer, see, sometimes we wonder why we're not getting the help that we need and getting the change and the, and the power that, that comes from the, the Word of God in our lives. We may need to stop and examine our soil. There's sometimes, we, did you know, and you may know this, but do you know that many of us, we have determined, we've made decisions, we've come in the house of God with such an attitude sometimes, we've come in with hard hearts, and sometimes you know what we can also do? Sometimes we can hear the subject matter and begin to harden our hearts. And the good seed goes out there, but when it goes out there, it just bounces, just like it does off a sidewalk or uh, some hard surface. So I hope, the, I hope our ground will be good. The Word of God will fall on good seed. But I want to give, you, give these to you. I won't be able to give them as much as I'd like to. And, and I, we didn't record last week's message. Uh, once again, one of the things that we're going to do once we get the computer up and going regularly is we're actually going to be recording straight on, onto there eventually as the plan. And so we won't be missing. But I actually explained a lot of these other phrases, the, the robbery of equal with God or all these other things last week. But now I'm focusing more on us. And I'll probably just kind of give you basic, basically this uh, tonight, what I can, but four things, four examples that will show us uh, th- that are the manifestation of a Christ-like mind. Number one, there's focused sight. That's verses five and six. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And basically what we understand here, going into verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, what this means, and, and, and the mind of Christ deals with the attitude that Christ exhibited. To have the same attitude that Jesus had. Uh, because there's one thing for sure about it, your outlook will determine your outcome. And if the outlook is selfish, our actions will be divisive and destructive. So if our outlook, if our mind, if our uh, if our attitude is that of others and not of ourself, uh, 
The, the focused sight is this, as I've already said, others. The word form means the outward expression of the inward nature. That means that Jesus, of course, is God. And we've already said that, so I won't say much more about that. But think about this. As God, Jesus Christ did not need anything. He had all the glory and the praise of heaven with the Father and the Spirit. He reigned over the universe. But Philippians 2.6 states an amazing fact. He did not consider his equality. He made himself of no reputation. In other words, it was something that he didn't need to selfishly hold on to. Jesus did not think of himself. He thought of others. The whole reason He came. Others. For you and for me. It was for somebody else. He had an attitude that He could make a difference and He moved to make a difference. So the first manifestation is focused sight. It's others. Jesus used His heavenly privileges for the sake of others. For our sake. Um. More than 20 times in the New Testament, God instructs us on how to live with one another. The Bible says, I'll just give you a few of these, Romans 12, 10, we are to prefer one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, we are to edify one another. What's edify mean? To build up. We use the term sometimes an edifice. Uh, this big building. We need to build each other up. We do that, by the way, with our words. We do it with our actions. Uh, it can be real easy to put someone down, can it? Uh, but you know what? We need to build folks up. Uh, but he says that we need to uh, edify one another. Galatians 6.2 says we should bear one another's burdens. The Bible says in Romans 14.13, we should not judge one another. Uh, and of course, that's talking about the, uh, the, some of these questionable matters. But rather admonish one another is what the Bible says in Romans 15.14. Others is the key word in the vocabulary of the Christian who exercises a submissive mind like Christ. So the first manifestation of this is caring for others, willing to do for others, willing to do for others, as Jesus said, that, that, that's not because we expect something in return. Now, it's fine if we get something in return, but I don't need to serve you. I don't need to love you. I don't need to um, do anything for you thinking, okay, now... You know, if I do this for them, they'll do this for me. Uh, that should not be my attitude as a Christian toward in, in the work of God toward other Christians. It ought to be, you know what? No, I'm, I just I just want to do this to be a blessing. I just want to do this to help you. I just want to, uh, you know, uh, th there's got to be a good motivation there. So, uh, so quickly, I, I'll give them to you. The, a focused sight is one manifestation. The second manifestation is faithful service. They kind of go together. So the 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 the. The focus side is just saying that my focus is on others. It's not all about me. And that's why one of the, one of the ways we talked about recently is why sometimes that uh, our anxiety is a form of pride. A clear form of pride. Because if we're worried, we're usually, it's usually concerning ourselves. 
You say, well, no, I'm worried about the country and how it's going to affect, you know, and, and maybe there's others involved, but oftentimes our anxiety is, is, is selfishly and self-centeredly focused. So, but but that's, that sight being focused on other people, uh, then the second one is faithful service. Verse 7 says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Uh, Jesus thought of others and became a servant. Uh, we talked about how that Jesus took on the body. He used that body to be a servant. Um, and when you think about it, what grace the Lord Jesus showed. This is what we preached about the entire message last week. But from heaven to earth, from glory to shame, from master to servant, from life to death, even the Bible says the death of the cross. In the Old Testament age, Christ had visited earth on occasion, on several occasions for some special ministry. Genesis 18 is an example of that. So there's Old Testament examples where Jesus would come speak to Joshua. He would come uh, speak to Abraham and so forth. Uh, but these visits were temporary. When Christ was born at Bethlehem, he entered into a permanent union with humanity from which there would be no escape. He willingly humbled himself that he might lift us up. Because the only way we could be lifted up is if he became man. So that's what he did. Uh, Paul uses the word again, form. And I've already said that means he literally became a servant. You know, you go read the four Gospels. And by the way, man, I'll tell you, it's, it's flat out blasphemous. It gets on my nerves. But I noticed the other day that there's uh, uh, on Hulu, you know, it just shows little specials that they got on. And they've got uh, the, 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 the real story of Jesus, the lost years. And you know, uh, somebody can sincerely because I don't, I, by the way, am I the only one that has seen something like that on, especially as a younger Christian? I'm like, well, this is awesome. I'm going to get to watch some good Bible teaching on TV. And you sit there and watch it. It's like, wait, that's, that's not right. What are they saying? And this theologian here saying this and this one over here saying the other thing. And you're like, what are these guys talking about? Because it goes into a really uh, bad place. But, uh, but, but the point I'm trying to make is this. Uh, when you read the four Gospels, the account of Jesus' life, He serves others. Uh, you think about it. How many times can you think about people serving Jesus when he was on earth. I'm not saying you can't think about it. Maybe I bet some of you right away thought of Mary. She had the server. Uh, you know, we can think of some examples, but it was not the norm. He wasn't going every place saying, hey, I'm here. You know, serve me. I'm God, for goodness sakes. I'm your creator. Uh, no, he wasn't that way. By the way, I, I read something about that. Uh, you know, it, you can really find out somebody's character when you put them in a position of power and authority. That's when you find out what people are really made of, when they're in a place of privilege. Uh, and Jesus was definitely in a place of privilege, but He was still willing to serve. Um, and so, uh, think about it. He came to serve, and he, he served all kinds of people. Can th help me think about some of the people that Jesus served when He was on this earth. Was that Ron? Well, I didn't hear. Well, who, who did he serve? He washed his disciples' feet. And as a trade, I invite you, if you haven't been coming to Sunday school, come to Sunday school. We're having a, a great series on that. But these disciples, these apostles were not 
these awesome dudes. Amen. They were, you know, prideful, arrogant, ambitious uh, knuckleheads. Uh, but uh, but that's right. Jesus washed at their feet. That that was that was one of the, the the lowest rungs on the ladder of a of a of a servant that would be in a home is the one that would wash people's feet, strangers' feet uh, when they would come in. Jesus did that. Who are some of the other people you can think of that he served? And not necessarily names, uh, but types of people. Well, okay, I'll say this about the apostles: He served fishermen, just common fishermen. He served prostitutes he served prostitutes uh he served what about levi matthew tax collectors Ugh. i mean see and it's it's so funny every time when you read about the tax collectors it's usually uh it's usually publicans and sinners right uh, when he says that, it's the sinners and the tax collectors. Or it would be the harlots and the tax collectors. As far as, as far as the Jewish society was concerned, they're in the same group. Tax collectors. Uh, the sick. Now, understand this about the sick in that day. Especially the sick people that he was serving. Those that were uh, handicapped to the, to the point of not being able to work. Listen, they were relegated to begging in those days. They were relegated. They were not... Uh, I mean, you didn't, as a general rule, you didn't have rich handicapped folks. Uh, you know, they could, I'm sure there was exceptions to that rule, but if they couldn't work, they were just that. So these weren't people that were high in society, but guess what Jesus did? He would go out of his way to touch these people, help his people. You, you see what I'm saying? So Jesus Christ was, so the point is this, do you think Jesus ever served anybody lesser than him? Of course, anyone he ever serves is lesser than him. How about anybody that's of less character than him? Of course, we could go on and on. That's, it's, it's, you know, it's ridiculous questions. Because here, the, the, the point that Paul's trying to make is this. Our pride gets in our way sometimes. Do you know what that person did? I'm not serving them. No. I'm too good for that. We don't say we're too good for it, but we're too good for it. They're a Pharisee. I'm not serving them. They're a sinner. I'm not serving them. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, man, I don't know, but I, I kind of think they're a hypocrite. I, I know they've been coming to church and I know this and that, but I, I just think they're a hypocrite. I'm not serving that person because something's just not right. Well, serve them anyway. Man. And, and it's not talking about being, a, again, it's not talking about being a doormat. It's not talking about being, um, you know, abused or anything like that, but it's just saying willing to humble ourselves and Jesus looked at people that were not as good as he was and still served them anyway. So we ought to be able to do the same thing. Um, okay, so he, uh, he, he came to minister. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. I did not come to be ministered unto, he says, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In the upper room, when his disciples refused to minister, of course, we already mentioned that, John 13, he set aside his garments and washed their feet. Okay, so without being able to go into these too deep, uh, how can we tell if we have the manifestation of a Christ-like mind? Number one, a manifestation of a Christ-like mind will have focused sight. It will be focused on others. It will, there will be faithful service involved. Um, this is one I'll have to give these last two quickly. Uh, maybe we can spend more time on them later. Verse 8, the Bible says, and, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So manifestations of a Christ-like mind. Number one, focus sight. Number two, faithful service. Number three, fulfilling sacrifice. 
Because here's where a challenge can sometimes come in. Okay, I'll serve. Lord, I'll serve. But what time exactly do you want me to serve? Young people, I'll serve. I'll surrender. But God, uh, look me up in about four or five years. Maybe ten. Because I've, I've got this career picked out already. And I've already got this college picked out. And all that. And Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Later on, then you, then, then you can come in. Right? It's the same way with us older people. Oh no, this is what I'm going to do. So, a lot of times we can serve as long as it's on our terms. So the manifestation of a Christ-like mind is this. It costs something. We're willing to do it even if it costs something. Whether, whether it costs us something, I mean, what if, God lays on, what if God lays on your heart to do something financially for some missionary or for some need or for some individual in the church? Amen. And by the way, the reason I said fulfilling sacrifice is because, praise God, some of, some of you and some of us have experienced what it is right. to sacrifice and be like, praise God, that's good. Amen. Amen. Some, of us, some of us have experienced what it's like uh, to give. But <laughs> I, I could, man, I tell you, Trey, you was talking about having those, those negative numbers in the bank account. Man, I remember those days. Um, and brother, there, there'd be times in the midst of those days, maybe not while I had the negative, but, but climb my way out, get, start accumulating a little bit of money. And you know what I like to do? I, I don't do it as much as I used to, but I like to find me a $100 bill. Anybody else? Uh, take me a Benjamin and fold it up and stash it in my wallet. You know, kind of for a rainy day, just kind of suspending money. Maybe, you know what? I've got that $100 bill. And, uh, and man, but then... Anybody, anybody ever have something like that? Am I the only one that does that? You men are just saying, don't be giving away the secrets, man. They're going to be checking our wallets. Uh, but, um, but no, and then all of a sudden, you go to church, and, and then a missionary's there, and all of a sudden, uh, you're saying, man, well, I, well, Lord, if I had something to give, I'd give it. And God said, well, you got that hundred folded up in your wallet. Yeah, God, but that's... You know, that, that's, that's for something else. That's for me. But then you just say, okay, Lord, I'll give it. Uh, and, I mean, listen, I, I can remember, uh, I can remember in, in a certain meeting I was in, and I'm, I'm going to be down here in just a moment, but just let me tell you about this. I can remember a certain meeting. This is financially given, but we're not just talking about financially given. The Bible says we ought to give our bodies a living sacrifice. That's what that's one of the that's one of the manifestations of a Christ-like mind. But but on the financial end, I can remember uh, same situation. Traveled to Georgia to this meeting. I was leaving Georgia to go and preach in Florida around Okeechobee, Florida, on uh, that next Sunday. But we were in this meeting, and then there was there was a need that arose. There was a missionary or something there, and man, I felt like God laid on my heart to give what I had. And, so, and I still had to get to Florida. Now, I know Florida and Georgia is not that long, but I'm talking about from North Georgia down to about central part of Florida. And, uh, and I'm just like, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to give what I had. So you know what I did? I gave what I had. And then I was there. It was my wife and it was my Hannah and my Caitlin. And, and somebody might say, well, that's irresponsible. Uh, well, it's not irresponsible if that's what God's laying on your heart to do. By the way, we've got a financial advisor in the church, amen. Uh, I, I encourage you to talk to him because he's sitting back there thinking, be careful here. But no, he's not. I, I know he's... But, uh, but listen, uh, 
But, but you want to know what happened to me? I had a pastor approach me. And some of you, I've told you, some, some of you do this before. I had a pastor approach me after that morning service or session or whatever it was. And he's just like, he just come out there and he was just talking to me, you know, just like he'd come up and talk to somebody. And I'd never been to his church. I, I was acquainted with him, but I didn't really know him too well. And he's just like, yeah. you know what, brother? He said, I, he said I, I believe our church should help you. I believe our church should help you in this ministry. And of course, that's when I was raising money to come to South Dakota and the whole thing. And he says, I'll tell you what. And he gave, you know what he gave me? He didn't give me, <laughs> he didn't give me what I had given in the offering. You know what he gave me? He gave me a blank check. And he said, brother, here's, a, listen, literally, this was the longest conversation I'd ever had with this dude. And this wasn't more than a five or ten minute conversation. Brother, you just take this check and fill it out for whatever you need it to be. I'm still living on that today. And that's been 20 years ago. I'm totally kidding. I promise you. I promise you I'm joking. Uh, I did not take advantage of that. Uh, I, and and I, I'll tell you what I did. I made it out for 50 bucks because that's what they said the church was going to give us. And, uh, but, but that was enough. Amen. Because God always provides. And, 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 and that's... that's Talking about financially, and, and I encourage you to learn to give financially, but it's not just that. May God help us to give, give our lives. And, and I, you know, I want to know something about sacrifice too. Um, how many of you moms talk about the sacrifice of, say, what it takes to take care of a, of a sick child? Or uh, the point is, when there's love involved, a lot of times we don't really think of it as sacrifice. Um, you know, a, a dad gives up his weekend to spend with the kids, you know, and some guys will be like, oh, I got to babysit this weekend. I've never had to babysit my kids. They're my children. Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm right. You know, it's my responsibility. I don't babysit my kids. I, I raise my kids. Amen. Uh, but, but listen, uh, it, it's not just, oh man, I was really wanting to go uh, do something else this weekend. I was really wanting to do, you know what? It, I mean, it can, it, you can be that way. I mean, believe me. But we, with, with my kids, it's just like, praise God. I get to be with my kids this weekend. It's not some great sacrifice. Um, and because a lot of times, if we're always talking about this sacrifice, oh, I'm really sacrificing. Look at me. <laughs> This fulfilling sacrifice isn't about that. It's just, you know what it goes back to? It's just looking and focusing on others. It's being willing to say, you know what? What can I do to help and be a blessing to someone else? Oh, this is going to cost me something? I count the cost, but you know what? Uh, it's worth it. Why? Because they're worth it. Jesus said the harlot was worth it. Jesus said your hide was worth it. And me and all these other people. So we can do like, if we had the mind of Christ, we can say, you know what? They're worth it. I'm willing to sacrifice. Now understand, I, I, I know I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about putting yourself in, uh, you know, I'm, there, there, there's wisdom with this. Um, but fulfilling sacrifice. And then I'll just give you the last one here quickly. And that's full splendor. In other words, all that Jesus went through, so he looked at others. So his, his first, the, the first manifestation is focus sight. It's others. Well, it's faithful service. It is, uh, what's the other one I said? It's uh, fulfilling sacrifice. And then it is full splendor. In other words, it brings glory to God. Glorifying God. Verse number 11, the Bible says, 
And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Some of you need to underline and mark or highlight or write down those words to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus is saying, with what I have gone through, I'm, I, I want them to go through something similar. And that's where I started off earlier when I was talking about the suffering that you have to go through, the hard times you have to go through. Whatever sacrifice, it is not in vain. Um, the whole purpose of Jesus Christ's humiliation and exaltation is the glory of God. As Jesus faced the cross, the glory of the Father was utmost his, uh, his, uh, in, utmost in His mind. Here's what He said in John 17, 1. Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. So He was going to the cross and here's what He says. So that was 17 verse 1. This is the real Lord's Prayer. If you want to uh, get fussy on semantics, uh, because uh, the Lord never had to pray Himself, Lord, forgive me my sins. <laughs> uh, right? And we know that's the model prayer. I don't get fussy about it. But, but John 17 is literally the Lord's Prayer. It is His intercessory prayer. Um, it'd be harder to memorize, but it would be worth it. Uh, Alright, but John 17 verse 22, He goes on to say this, And the glory which Thou gavest Me, I have given them, that's you and that's me, that they may be one even as we are one. And one day, what he's saying there is we will share in this glory with him. And I hate that I'm getting down to the end of this where I may be losing some of you to, to get to this part. But please listen to this part. Perk up for this last couple paragraphs or two. And that's simply this. He says, just as God the Father has glorified and lifted me up because of all this, Everything that you're going through as a child of God is meant to, it's meant for your good, but it's meant to glorify God. And here's the thing don't give up before the promise becomes provision. Don't give up before the promise becomes property. Because it will. Don't give up. This isn't it. God isn't just saying, yeah, just suffer, just sacrifice, and that's an end to itself. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, Father, just as I'm lifted up, sharing in your glory, John 17, they're going to be lifted up and sitting in my glory. Be faithful with your attitude. Be faithful with the way you face the things in this life. And I'm telling you, God is keeping track of it. God is keeping count of it. And you know the good thing is, God will give us the strength to do all these things. Then He'll reward us. <laughs> For letting him do this through us. He's a good God. Amen. And so the person with a submissive mind, he lives for others, uh, not himself, but we must expect sacrifice and service. And again, sacrifice isn't sacrifice if it's, uh, you know, easy. You know, I mean, uh, sometimes it does cost, but in, in the end, it's going to lead to glory. The Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You need to remember something. You're going to be exalted. In due time. Every time you're down, you just need to remind yourself, I'm going to be up one day. Amen? God's going to exalt me. Uh, in due time. Joseph suffered and served for 13 years. But then God exalted him and made him second ruler of Egypt. David, and I love what the Bible says there in the story of Joseph, but the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. And let me tell you something, the Lord's with you! Through it all. David was anointed king when he was but a youth. 
But he experienced years of hardship and suffering. But at the right time, God exalted him as king over Israel. The joy of the submissive mind comes not from uh, not only from helping others and sharing the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, but primarily from the knowledge that we are glorifying God. We are letting our light shine through our good works, and this glories the Father in heaven. Uh, glorifies the Father in heaven. We may not see the glory today, but we shall see it and we shall share in it when Jesus comes and rewards us. Amen. Uh, so let this mind be in you, the manifestation. And so as we all stand this evening, you may be like me, and you may be saying, man, I may be coming a little bit short on some of that manifestation of a Christ-like mind. Well, you know what? If that's the case, maybe with me, you would bow this evening and humble yourself and say, Lord, help me to have your mind. It's not in our own strength. It's in His strength.